And uh, I was just thinking about, as we were standing there, just, just a few things that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And at one point when Jennifer was up with Shan and uh, they were declaring again that the atmosphere is changing, I just felt that in that moment that the Holy Spirit was saying that those declarations are actually an invitation for an act of faith. It's an invitation for us to, to do something that we would not normally do. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Um, just even if it's just to just lift up your hands, just an acknowledgement that God is here and because we can talk about the open heaven, which is another thought that came to me as they were talking about the atmosphere is changing because the atmosphere changes um, and there is an open heaven and really heaven is not closed. I was remembering as I was standing in my seat that when Jesus, in the time of Jesus, that it, the, the heavens opened and it says that the voice from heaven came and said that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I was just thinking in that time of worship as I was declaring about the heavens that heaven is not closed in that sense of the word, but we have to know that we are under an open heaven. We have to know that the atmosphere has changed. Do, 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 you, do you know what I mean? And, and then if I really understand that the atmosphere has changed, I am going to do an act in accordance with the fact that I understand that. My position is going to change. Um, I'm going to shift in some way. Um, you know that even if I'm just standing there and, and everything, there comes a point when I just feel that we just do something. That either I just step out of my seat or I just lift my hands or I just shout a praise to God or I just do something. But something that goes beyond what I would normally do. Did you understand what I'm saying? Something that, because if I'm declaring that the atmosphere is changing and that, you know, my miracle is now and I really believe that, then surely something in me is going to motivate me and trigger me and push me me to do something outside of my comfort does that make sense outside of my comfort so as they were declaring that I, I thought to myself that so many times you know they're, they're, the Holy Spirit is speaking and I was just thinking God are we really hearing because we can mouth the words but disconnect in our in our spirit and so I just want to encourage us that in our, even in our time of worship to just listen intently for the voice of God. Listen to what he is saying. Because when our, uh, our leaders are leading us in worship, they are not just going through the motion of songs. Do, do, we, do we agree with that? I don't believe that. This is not a time, maybe last year. This year, we are not going through the motion of songs. We are intentionally, on, 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 on purpose, inviting the presence of God into our midst. 
We understand that we are in a prophetic place, in a prophetic move, and that this is different from the other times. And because it's different from the other times, when I come, I am listening because I'm wanting to hear what is it that you are saying, God, to me, so that I can cooperate with you to bring to me that which heaven is actually releasing. Because just because I don't receive it doesn't mean heaven did not release it. Do you understand? I can sit next to Sister Dell. Now, she has never said this, so I can use her. I can sit next to Sister Dell. She's sitting next to me. Um, she goes home and says, oh, my gosh, church was just so boring today. And I go home and say, amazing, God was in the place. Perspective. And depends on where our hearts are. And if we come wanting to hear him, we will hear him. Before we say the amen and go through the door, we will hear him. Yes. You know, so we, we, we are not going to go back there at the moment, but I just wish in a way that we could do a do-over with that song because there was just so many, so much that God was saying to us. And I, and I just felt that we could have really have grabbed hold of him as they were trying to usher us into that place. I'm not saying that we didn't go, but I felt that we could have gone further. Do you, do you understand? I'm not saying that we didn't go, I'm just saying we could have gone further with that. It's amazing words that the atmosphere is changing. I just wanna share with you a thought this morning, um, just a quick thought of ask Jennifer to do something for me at the end. Um, I just want to share this, something that came out of my prior time this week and it still stayed with me and so I'm going to just try and share that with you as I feel that the Holy Spirit is leading. And sometimes if he has given something to me, even as I stand in my seat in worship, sometimes he's still adding to that. So a lot of times I don't always have all my ducks in a row, so to speak, because he's still, he's still adding. But one of the things that I felt that he was saying to me this week, um, and there's many things that God is speaking in this season, but one of them I had sensed this week in light of all that he's been saying that we are also in a season where we have to contend for the things that he has been speaking to us. Who knows that we have to do that? Okay, so that's not strange. We have to contend for that. And uh, even Jude, in the book of Jude, the writer said there about contending earnestly for the faith. Everything that God, through Jesus, has given us, 
we have to contend for it. And I believe that we are in this season where we are at the moment, where if I can use this terminology that the heavens are ripe, if you can use that terminology, that it is ready for us. You know, like when you have low-hanging fruit, and they're ready and ripe, and all you need to do is just to. But we have to contend for the things that God has been speaking. Because as we hear him speak through the various um, um, ministers who have spoken, we have, we have heard him um, even coming up from, as we come down to the end of the old year and coming into the new year, we have heard him speak various things. We've heard him speak about making room for him. We have heard him um, speak to us about, you know, whether, slightly paraphrasing what Shanna said on, on that carol service night, but um, I think she was, if I can remember rightly, she was, she was saying that, you know, a, a pharaoh was, was uh, or Herod was, was willing to, to, to go with the status quo. But, and, and then the question came to us, are we just wanna, wanna flow with, with what's our comfort zone? Or are we willing to step out of the comfort zone? Is that similar to, yeah, are we gonna step? And all of those are voice, are God's voice speaking to us to let us know that we have to do something with what he is saying to us. That it will disrupt our comfort but in the disruption, we have to make a choice because I can stay with the comfort of where I am or I can step out of the boat, step out into a place where I don't have the same crutches, I don't have the same safe place, I don't have the same security as it were, but I step in out into an unknown because this is what God has said. I have no reference point really for it. You, you know, sometimes God can speak to us. We have no reference point for what it is that he is saying now because he's challenging us to trust him in a new way. And so we come out of the place of our confinement, as it were, and he is wanting us now to journey towards the promise, but to lay hold of it. Not just to talk about it, but to lay hold of it. That this is the time for us to contend for the things that God has given to us. And I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating that if I am contented with where I am and I've adjusted my life to deal with where I am, then I'm just going to get more of the same. So if my leg hurts and I then get a crutch, I have decided that I will stay with my limp and I will use the crutch. And I might be able to move but I'm not gonna do as much in the way that I should do it or at the speed that I should do it as if I was fully able-bodied. Yes? So I have to, to, to make a decision and I think this where we are at the moment, we are in a period where we are having to make some decisions because our decisions in this time, in prophetic times, our decisions matter. Yes. 
and our words matter. And we are not just in, and it's not just me that is saying that because when I listen um, um, to, I think I was sharing with Jennifer that when I was listening to some things, you know the word that God um, gave that I had shared with the church about the, the strength that is coming upon us and, and, and how the dry bones will, will, the shaking and the rattling that's happening, how the dry bones are going to find their place and all of that and the, the, um, you know, the tsunami of revival that is coming and how even now he is saying that there is this momentum that is happening in the spirit and I was listening to something I was saying to to Jennifer I was listening to something and I was so awed by God that I, the tears really just came to my eyes because as I was listening um, the, 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 the person had got 20 of the prophetic voices that they they um, deem correct prophetic voices yes and they were asking them what the word of the Lord was for 2020. Because you know, um, God is never just speaking one word, yes? Sometimes we get a broad, a, a broad sheet, and in between there, then he starts to break down what it actually means. And as I was listening, everything on that prophetic word was coming out. There were those who were talking about the shaking. There were those who were talking about the strength. There were those who were talking about the revival. One person even talked about the tsunami. You know, there was, and no one person was saying all of it, but all of them picked up an element of it. So I say that to say that one of the things is that we are in a prophetic time, a prophetic, not just a year, but a decade. This is a time when the Jewish calendar for the first time and the Gagarian calendar have matched up. And both of them are saying the same thing. We are actually in God's time. And we are privileged to be in his time. So one of the things that he was saying to me is that we have to contend for the things that he has given to us. Now, before I go back to that word, when I was praying um, this week, when I was praying this week, I was, as I was praying, the scripture from Colossians came back to me. And so I'm reading, I'm praying the scripture because I more or less know it by heart. It's one of my favorite passages, but it came back to me and I'm, I'm beginning to, to to pray it now. And so I will, I will read that scripture because we read it last week. But let me just read it again for you, um, just so that you can understand more clearly as I go on. And so it's in Colossians chapter 2. And so it talks about that in our union with Christ, it says, we have experienced circumcision of the heart. I'm reading from a Passion Bible. And it talks about all the guilt and the power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. It goes on to say that we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into his death also means that we are raised with him when we believed in Christ's resurrection power. 
it says that that power is the same power that raised him from the dead. Amen? Isn't that great? The sealer moment. So it says this realm of death describes death, describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we are resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive, and all of our sins are forgiven. That's talking about the state of the one who has received Christ. Amen? So whether I'm experiencing all of that in my now is neither here nor there. It's, it's been done. That's what the word is saying. It's been done. It's been done. It's been done just like how my healing has been done. And, and salvation is a complete package. So one of the thoughts that the Holy Spirit brought to me one time is that if we really understood salvation, then the rest would just happen as a matter of course because everything is contained in my salvation package. The miracles we were talking about this morning, our healing, our wholeness, the right mind, my family reconciled, everything, everything, everything that, that speaks about my peace and my wholeness in God, everything about the perfect plan of salvation, everything that Christ, through, that God through Christ has, has given me is in the plan of salvation. There is nothing else outside of that. Do you agree with me? So this scripture talks about the state of where we are as the believers. We are out of the realm of death that speaks about anything about us that's decaying, anything about us that's rotten, anything about us that's stagnant, anything about us that's bound to hell. You know, everything that, everything that does not line up with God and with his plan for our lives because we're never in the middle road. We're either tracking on God's side or we're on the devil's side. So let me just dispel that we are never in the middle. Do you understand? We are either on God's side. This is what Elijah said. Now if God be God, let's serve him. Make a choice today. Make a choice. So we were in a state that was bound for hell. And the scripture is telling us that he has now taken us out of that. We are never to return. Say never to return. For we are forever alive and all and forgiven of all our sins. He went on to say that he canceled every legal violation we had on our record. Everything that the enemy could hold against us, he canceled it. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. So everything that the enemy held over your head and would seek to indict you with it and would seek to imprison you with it and would seek to make your life a total disaster as a result of that violation that was against you, it says that he has canceled it. He erased it all. 
our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it and it cannot be retrieved. Wow. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. That's a shouting moment. Amen. And then it talked about how Jesus made a spectacle of all of the powers and the principalities of darkness, and he stripped away every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. And this version said that he was not their prisoner. They were his. This is our state. So this is what we are contending for. That the manifestation of this becomes our reality. And this is why the scripture talks to us so much about the renewal of the mind. Because if the mind is not renewed, we cannot access that. It does not make it not mine. It means it's mine, but I need to know how to access it. It's just that as worship was going and it was talking about the atmosphere being changing and then the heavens are open and all of those kinds of things and the wind of God is blowing as was said last week or the week before and all of those things. I have to be able to grab hold of that in the spirit and be able to make that my own. Because God is speaking, I have to make it my own. I have to grab hold of it and make it my own. And, and sometimes I might not even feel it. But I, I can't always go by my feelings. Come on, somebody. I can't always go by my feelings. Because if you wait for your feelings to line up, you, our feelings will talk us out of a lot of things that God has for us. I just need to know that the Word says it. That the word says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. I have to just believe that I am free. And from my place of freedom, I start to walk out my freedom. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So I just have to be the comes a point where we cannot rely on our feelings. Our feelings will let us down. Because any given time, our feelings are swinging either to the far left or to the far right. We are really balanced. Amen? So the word tells us then that in any situation, the peace of God has to be my umpire. That means my heart has to be connected to him. I need to be connected to the vine. I, I need to be receiving my substance from him so that even when the atmosphere change, I don't change along with him. I'm going according to his atmosphere, not according to the atmosphere of hell. So even when circumstances around me change, because I'm connected to the vine, I am getting another set of instructions. And my heart is being kept in perfect peace because my mind is forever being stayed on him. Amen. So I cannot 
allow, we cannot allow, saints of God, hear me today, we cannot allow our feelings to navigate our lives. We just need to know what the word of God says and start to walk with that word and start to war with that word until we start to see the manifestation of that word. There comes a point when we will get beyond the boundary you say the enemy has me here, but I hear what the word says, and I start to war with that word. I start to confess it. I start to declare it. I start to speak it. I start to think on it. Am I getting up? Am I lying down? I am meditating. I say, God, this is your word. I don't see it. I don't even feel it, but I'm confessing it because I believe what you say. It is yea and amen. It is forever settled in heaven. You've placed your word above your name. So I'm going to believe your word, that your word will change the molecules of my being and change the atmosphere. Your words will cause things that are out of alignment to come into alignment. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't even feel it because my eyes see something else. But God, I choose to believe your word. After a while of my meditation and my declaring and my confessing and my speaking, after a while, something is going to shift in me. That is going to take me from where I was behind this line. And it's going to bring me into this place. And then I can start to declare that as they did in Exodus, that the Egyptian you saw yesterday, you are not going to see that Egyptian today. Because the word of God started to become flesh in me shifted me and took me out of the grip of the enemy from where I was and brought me into a new place. And I can really declare that. There, might, there will be another devil to fight. There will be another river Jordan that I have to cross. But now I'm making strides in the spirit because I see that that devil, that Egyptian, God dealt with him. And it gives me courage, gives you courage to say, God, God did that. Now I'm experiencing him. Now I'm getting experiential knowledge. As, as Paul said in Ephesians 1, praying for the church. Now I'm getting experiential knowledge. Now it's not just the letter of the word which is good, but the, the word is forming flesh in me. And I'm beginning to see the manifestation of that word, and there comes a point where the enemy used to handle you with that stuff. There comes a point when he can't handle you with that anymore because you've broken out into a new place. But it means I'm going to have to go beyond how I feel and hold on to the word and let the word shift me. So this is the state. This is the state of the believer, and this is what we are having to contend for. But as I was praying that scripture at home, as I was praying that, another scripture came into my mind, came into my spirit, and I, and I think to myself, well, why is this here? Because this has got nothing to do with Colossians. But I want you to turn with me to Chronicles. It 
Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20, and most, most of you will know this story really well. So I'm, I'm praying, and I'm praying Colossians. I'm praying Colossians over my life and over the church and everything. And, 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 and then the Holy Spirit brought this scripture. So I, I, I sort of started to pray quite slowly because I'm thinking, why am I in Chronicles? And I realized he was saying something. So after a while, I just went to the scripture and started to, to look at it. So now, um, let, let, let's, let's talk about um, Chronicles quickly. Um, in this passage, as many of you know, Jehoshaphat is in a situation. It says that after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and, and with them some of the Minuites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And some men came and they told him and said, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, therein has a son. Come in, Hazazan, Tamar, which is En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Isn't, I'll be glad that the Bible is real, that it gives us real emotions, that he didn't just shout, oh, praise God, hallelujah, bring it on. You know what I mean? The scripture lets you know that he was afraid, but he did something with that fear. He set his face to seek God, to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the nations, kingdom of the nations. In your hand is power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. I believe that even in that moment, Jehoshaphat is doing what David did when he came back and saw that Ziglag was burnt. Everything is going up in smoke the posterity, his relationship, everything, wife and children gone, and everything is up in smoke. And after a while, when the men had, you know, because of their grief, had wanted to stone him, the scripture went on to say that David encouraged himself in the Lord. One of the ways that we can do that is always reach back for the word of God. Reach back for what it is that God did. The, how he has brought you out. The things that he has done in your life. The, the altars that you have that shows his goodness towards you. Once you start to rehearse, even if you pick up the psalm or even if you picked up the scripture and started to declare, but Lord, aren't you God over all the heavens and the earth? And in your hand is power and might. And who can withstand? 
understand you. By the time you've done all that, your spirit is as catch a light because it, your spirit is hearing what it wants to hear. And the word of God now starts to counteract because as you start to declare God's greatness, his greatness is rising up in you. And he said, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people in Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before your name, for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save us. Now, the reason why I like this passage here is because Jehoshaphat did not even go for something new. He did not formulate a new prayer. He went all the way back to, I think, about chapters um, 5, 6, 7 coming up there when Solomon made his prayer to God. And, and when at the, the, the building of the temple, and they were about to dedicate the temple, and Solomon made a series of prayers. You remember that? And we remember the famous one when God responded and said, if my people who are called by my name, right. But just before that, um, Solomon was asking God some things, and he, he, Solomon asked God the same thing here said, if, even if we are in exile, even if there's pestilence, even if there's famine, famine, if we go into exile because we have committed sin, God, if we turn our face towards this place that represents your presence and where your name is, if we call to you, will you not hear us? If we go out by the way that you have sent us, will you not plead our case and maintain our cause. So when we go out to battle God, because you have sent us out, will you not plead our case and maintain our cause? And God responded later on down in that passage and said, yes, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it says, I would hear from heaven my dwelling place and I will heal the land. And so he did that. And Jehoshaphat now has actually gone back to that and picked up that prior and has brought that before God and is now saying, Lord, you promised. This is a situation that you promised that you would help us with. The enemy is coming. And if I fast forward, <clears throat> Just for time, it goes on to say, But now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold how they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. So, we see that God had given them this inheritance that he had promised that was theirs from Abraham coming all the way down. They were now in the inheritance, but the enemy was coming to throw them out of it. When I looked up the names of these people, the Moabites and the Ammonites, we see that they came out of that incestuous relationship with Lot 
um, and his daughters, his eldest daughter and his young daughter. So we see that this is a devilish nation. This is some kings represent territory and domain, yes? And they're coming to take what God had given to his people. They're coming now because they are bigger than them in terms of multitude. And they are coming now to throw them out of the inheritance that God has given them. So what am I saying? That the same thing has happened in Colossians, in that God has given us through Jesus Christ an inheritance. Peter tells us that he has given us, Second Peter, I think it is, said he has given us great and precious, exceeding precious promises, that by them we become partaker of the divine nature. So God has given us some things through Jesus, and the enemy is wanting to make sure that you don't walk in those promises, that you don't experience those promises of healing. The enemy is coming just like he did for Jehoshaphat, just like he did for Judah. He's coming. He knows that you are the blessed of the Lord. He knows that God has called you for greatness. He knows that you're the head and not the tail. He knows that you're above and not beneath. He knows that you have these great exceeding and precious promises but he wants to know do you know that all these things belong to you do you know it do you know just how free you are do you know just how mighty your God is do you know just how big he is do you know that he's the deliverer of your life do you know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises up in in judgment he can con do you know that because the enemy will still come against you knowing you have an inheritance in Christ that is incorruptible and undefiled. But there are incestuous and witchcraft and adulterous spirits and, sp and all kind of stuff that is coming against your life. Generational things that is coming against your life because Moab and the other king was coming out of an in, uh, incestuous relationships. And in a way, they represent the, uh, the, 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 the um, generational things that can come down and affect our bloodline. And so we're having to deal in this generation with some things. And the enemy rises up at strategic points when the word of God has gone out over your life or the word of God is working in the life of a family and the enemy knows that God has called your family for greatness and that he has an assignment on their life, then the enemy will rise up. He will rise up with all kinds of stuff. And if you don't understand that, Lord, you are great and you are mighty and in your hand is all power and there is none that can withstand you. If you don't understand that the enemy will come and throw you out of the inheritance that God has given you and in many cases will stop you from entering into it even before you could blink he don't mind if you come saints and occupy this blue chair on a Sunday he don't care about that he wants to know if you understand that you're a child of the living God and that God has called you to do exploits in this end time. That is what he wants to know. 
The challenge over your life is not because you are not right with God. It's not because there's something wrong with you. The challenge over your life is because there is something very right about you. And about where God has positioned you. And about where he has placed you. And about what he has called you to. And the challenge is, do you know who you are? And so God is saying to us this morning through his Holy Spirit, he's saying contend for the things that I have declared over your life. In Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24, he used to tell them in the beginning of Deuteronomy as Moses was speaking and as they were going around the wilderness and at one point he said to them, you've been around this mountain long enough, you need to break camp now because there is something you need to head towards. And then he would say to them, don't touch that nation, don't touch that nation, don't touch that nation. But in chapter in 2 and 24, he said, I want you to contend with this particular nation. I want you to contend with him. I want you to go up and meddle in his business. That's what content in, 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 in the Old Testament it means I want you to go and stir it up because you have to dispossess in order to possess. He said, I want you to contend and possess the land. Let me tell you, you cannot possess something when you are in a cold and lukewarm state. A fire has to burn within you and you have to go and stir up some things in order to dispossess it and then to possess. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have to dispossess in order to possess. To dispossess in order to possess. And I cannot dispossess quietly. I cannot dispossess silently. I have to rise up with militancy and understand that some things are going on here that should not be going on here. Some things are happening that should not be happening. I'm denied some things that I should not be denied of. I am coming out to church every Sunday, but when I take a close infantry, I'm actually treading some water. I need to see movement. Contend for what he has given you. Pick up the word of God over your life. Say, God, let the revival start with me. Stir my spirit, holy God. Let the revival start with me. Lord, my circumstances might not be right. My situation might be slightly out of sync. There might be some stuff up in the air. But God, I'm asking, let your wind blow across my life. Because when it does, it will blow everything into shape. Disrupt if you must. We need to praise some bold prize. And say, God, disrupt it if you must. Turn it upside down on its head no matter what you do because when it's all over I know it will be okay God if I'm holding on to anything that you have told me to let go of or it's not right for me in this season even if you have to prize it out of my hand then God by your spirit do that some radical prayers some radical prayers to say God if I'm stubborn and if I'm stignity then I'm asking you to come and do what it is that you need to do if I have blinders on God I'm asking you to remove it 
Because the devil I don't deal with today will rise up in my tomorrow and deal with me. It will rise up in my generation and deal with them. The devil I don't deal with today will come back and deal with you. Saul was told to totally kill the Amalekites. He didn't. And he died on his sword, but they came, they were there, and they came and took away his stuff. He was told to utterly destroy. The devil we don't deal with will come and deal with us, especially when he sees us heading towards purpose. And like the parable of the sower, come Jennifer, like the parable of the sower, We want to make sure that the word falls on good ground. That it falls on good ground. That that word, as we hear it, even if I don't understand it, God, I'm not going to hum and haw over it. I'm not going to find reasons why this and so and that is not so. But God... I just want to say, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. And so in this moment, I'm just going to ask you to come and just disrupt the status quo of my life because in this season, I just want to be doing what you are doing. I want the windows of heaven to be open over my life in a way that I can say, as Jesus said, I do nothing, I do not see my Father do. And I do not say anything I do not hear him say. And I believe that Jesus could, could do that because when that window of heaven opened over his head that day, it never closed again. And he was always in total alignment with his father. And I'm grateful today for, for myself and for us that he did not do what he did as the divine, but he did it as man. He chose to lay aside his divinity and do it as man so that you and I know that it is possible to walk through this earth being God's voice, hearing what he says, doing what he says, and seeing the kingdom being demonstrated because I recognize that heaven is open over my head. It's not It's not. It's not because my life is perfect. God, you know, it's not because my life is perfect. But I recognize that what is said in Colossians is my portion. And that the enemy would come to throw me out of my inheritance. So I will not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And I'm going to war for that which you have given me. I'm going to war for that which you have given me. We're going to close. Just now, I, one of the things that the Holy Spirit said to me as we were worshiping today is that there are many ways to contend. We can contend in our worship. We can contend in our praise. We can contend with our hallelujahs. We can contend when he tells us to do something and we just go out at his voice. We contend in our prayers. We contend in our obedience to what it is that he has said. 
we contend as we begin to see our minds become renewed and we begin to understand what it is that God is saying to us and we contend as we take up the word of God and we understand that there is more than this and I, and I start to wage a warfare with that word that is over my life and I begin to declare not my will but your will God. There are many ways in which we can contend, but it all begins with us hearing God and doing what he says. And I just want us to stand at this moment. I think Jennifer is just going to lead us just in a worship to God. As we say, yes, God, help me. Let my hands be lifted up. Even as Moses' hands was lifted up, let my hand be lifted up in praise to you. So that as my hands is lifted up in praise to you, I know that the battle is won. And I will see the manifestation in the natural as my hands are lifted up in worship to you, God. Today, as I worship you, not by might nor power, but it is by your spirit. It is by your spirit. Hallelujah.